just get fucked deep, you know, play the corners hard and see if good things will happen for us. Yep, we're back. It is episode 30, the Dirty 30 of Just Dishing It, joined as always by John Tudor and Derek Hoskins. Boys, what's going on? Not much, just uh, wrapping up a short week for me. Going to be hitting the uh, Adirondacks for a little uh, little fall camping and get away from all this hustle and bustle. Well-deserved, my friend. You enjoy that. Love to hear it. Toots, what do you got, buddy? Not much. Just uh, just getting fired up for hockey season. I know no. we're going to talk a lot about that today, but I don't know. Seeing some of these RFA signed training camps obviously have gone on. Guys are you know coming in for physicals. Um, just everything's getting rolling here. A few weeks from now, uh, we'll be full swing. What are you laughing at, Derek? So he just had to throw in the guys that know coming in for physicals. I know he did. Yeah. Oh, man. I see our guest in the lobby smiling about that one as well. So without further ado, our first two-time guest. Very excited to have him back. It was a lot of fun the last time. Everyone, please welcome back Walt Zerowski from Sabermetrics. Walt, good to have you, buddy. What's up? Oh, Great to be back on. Looking forward to talking about some Sabres hockey. Oh, it's always good, right? Even when it's bad, it's good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The beautiful game, as it were. What have you been up to this summer, man? I know it's been quite a few weeks since we've talked. Yeah, I mean, uh, really just hanging out, getting ready for the season to start. I wrote some articles for the Charging Buffalo, uh, previewing the season. and got more content coming that way. And i uh, really just looking forward to covering another season of the Sabres, even though it probably won't be that great. Yeah, I know we got it. A lot of the, you know, from even from this draft and some others, especially, but like a lot of interesting stuff I've been seeing as much as I can stay tapped into it. I know you'll talk a ton more about it, but seeing some pretty promising things from the prospects, though. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, just with eight picks in this past draft, just that alone is just like a huge upgrade over kind of what we're used to seeing. I mean, I can't remember the last time the Sabres have had their full seven picks in a draft. So just having like a bunch of prospects come into the system, a bunch of guys in leagues we're really not used to seeing with the Sabres. Like we're seeing more guys out of Russia, some some uh, Quebec major junior league guys, mm-hmm. really just a huge mix. And for what we've seen so far, especially the guys in Russia, I mean, definitely a very encouraging start. I mean, if the Sabres can start hitting that area and drafting, who knows, maybe we could work our ways out of this uh, rut we find ourselves in right now. Now yeah. that's, that's an area too. Um, Walt, didn't they just hire someone uh, who's going to be their scout for Russia and they didn't have one before, correct? Yeah. I mean, the, this they hired a Russian scout. I believe they have like a few years ago, but I mean, this past draft, they went without any scouts in Russia and still heavily drafted from there. So, I mean, yeah, just adding a guy like him, especially with all the Russian talent coming up in the next few drafts. I mean, definitely a huge plus and definitely great to see. Yeah. So, I mean, right on par, you know, with the Russians and stuff, it's, it's really exciting to have some of some guys from that part of the Europe, you know, to discuss and have them in the system. Cause I've been seeing some pretty promising, exciting things from, you know, a lot of different people that pay close attention to, you know, leagues out there and stuff. What has kind of been your assessment, you know, I guess um, 
you know, from the top down of, of each of the Russian prospects, you know, maybe from this draft mainly, because this is really where we got back into it. I, you know, like I said, um, Poltipov, I've been seeing a lot of good stuff about, especially. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Poltipov, I mean, he's in the VHL, which is pretty much like Russia's equivalent to like the AHL. It's their minor league. It's usually not a place where a lot of guys under the age of 20 usually strive, but right now he's playing over a point per game pace. I mean, from what I've seen of him there, he looks extremely comfortable. I mean, always a dangerous player, plays physical too. I mean, just all around fun player to watch. And I mean, he was a first pick of the second round, so it's not really like this came out of nowhere. But I mean, I've been impressed with him so far, and I think he's probably my favorite like pick from the Sabres so far, I think, in uh, this past year's draft. What is what is you, would you say is your favorite part about his game, you know, that maybe you heard about, you know, read about or researched leading up to the Sabres picking him and then in kind of comparison to what you've seen through the numbers or, or highlights of him, I, I guess, as it were? Yeah, I mean, probably just like the skill plays he's able to pull off. I mean, like for the most part, he's like a pretty physical player. Uh, in the corners, always winning puck battles. But, I mean, he brings, like, so much more than just that because, I mean, we've seen it at, like, the under-18 tournament and we've seen the VHL so far. Like, he's able to pull off some, like, pretty, like, high-skilled moves that not a lot of guys in the NHL are even able to pull off. And just, like, having that to add to, like, his overall game of just, like, physical play, I'm just being a pain to play against tough defensively, just adding that element to it I think is what makes him, like, such an exciting player. And I think that really makes his game uh, pretty translatable to the NHL once he makes a move over in North America. Along those lines, when, based on everything you've seen so far, when could you expect uh, us, you know, Sabres fans to start seeing him come over to North America, maybe some time in the AHL or even up with the Sabres? Do you have any guess or thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean – since Russia has like a weird transfer agreement rules, uh, the player can't transfer while still under contract with their Russian team. So I'm not exactly sure on Poltapov's contract run to. I mean, I know he hasn't signed a long-term deal, so maybe in Vestuda's next year, they could even bring him over. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens because he's in like a pretty solid program right now over in Russia. I mean, it's definitely going to be a challenge for him to get uh, playing time in the KHL. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe he will over the next few years. I mean, we've seen a guy like Kuznetinov who stayed in Russia. He's finally being rewarded with ice time now. So maybe Poltapov in his uh, second post-draft year, the same could happen. And, I mean, he's got a guy like Sergei Fedorov as his head coach over in Russia. So that would be pretty cool to see uh, a guy like Fedorov try to coach Poltapov and try to develop him. So I think, I mean – I guess it all depends what the Sabres want to do. I mean, we've seen them bring a guy like Paterka over pretty fast, so maybe they do the same with Poltapov. I mean, I guess it all depends. But, I mean, if Rochester starts getting stronger, I mean, if they start finally winning games, I mean, I feel like it's been forever since they've last won a playoff series. But if they finally start yeah. doing that and turn that into, like, a place to really develop young players, I mean, who knows? Maybe he comes over as soon as next season. Interesting. What did – what do you make of why he might struggle? You said something that he might struggle to find time in the KHL. Is that his age? Like, what is what is the reasoning behind that? Yeah, I mean, his age definitely plays a factor. I mean, we've seen a guy like uh, Daniela Yurov this uh, season. He's one of the top prospects in this year's draft. They have him on the KHL team right now, but he's only getting like three minutes a night some nights. So, I mean, it seems with like some KHL teams, especially with the guys that they know, 
will probably move over to North America. It almost seems like development's not really their top priority. It's like, I mean, if this guy could give us a good four minutes, let's throw him out there. But, I mean, we're not really worried about developing him as a player, like getting him ice time. As much as an NHL team would probably want to get a player ice time, like by setting the AHL and stuff, because, I mean, they're probably like, this guy's leaving in three years, so let's just try to get him, like, as many minutes as we could fit in on the top club. So I think that's going to be the main problem, but it's really it's really a team-by-team basis. I mean, there's some teams that really give their youth big minutes. I mean, maybe a Poltapoff, maybe if he proves that he can play with men, I mean, just with how physical he's been playing, maybe that will lead to him getting more ice time in the KHL. But, yeah, it's definitely just, like, kind of a team-by-team basis. Toots, what do you got to chime in here, buddy? Yeah, um, I mean – who who are some of the guys? I mean, to shift gears there a little bit and stay with the prospects. Is there anyone that maybe we've forgotten about the last couple of years that's really surprised you with the way they're coming on strong right now? I know. I mean, we're talking about post draft years and going to play for other programs, and I think that happens a lot in the NHL, right? Guys don't come in right away when they get drafted like they do in other sports, so we might forget about them a little bit. Anyone that's kind of surprised you? I think, I mean, one guy for me is uh, Lucas Rusek. Uh, Sabres drafted him in the later rounds a few drafts ago. Uh, he played in the Czech Republic for a few years and put up really good numbers on a team like Sparta, who's one of the top teams in that Czech league. And he actually made the move to North America this season, but I believe he tore his ACL or some knee injury and had to have surgery, so he'll be out for the rest of the season. But he's a guy that I kind of feel like was forgotten and I honestly thought he could have been a player that pushed for a spot with the Sabres right now. I mean, he's just an effective player, really smart player. I think he's going to be an NHLer for the Sabres someday, but he's really not a prospect that gets talked about too much, and I think he could be just a really solid bottom six guy. Maybe he could help out of the top six going forward. Nice. Yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you too uh, mm-hmm. on the on the prospect pool here um, – Uka Pakalukana, what what's going on with him? What's is there a timeline on on him? I know he's a guy that Sabres fans have been huge on for a few years now. Now with no Linus Allmark too, it's, right? Yeah, and, I mean, who who do you really want in net out of the guys that they've got right now? Yeah, I mean, I think like Lukanen, he's like such a strange goalie prospect because there's some games where he's just dominant, and then he has like these long stretches in the HL where he's like under a 900 save percentage goaltender. But, I mean, you can just see the potential with him just with his size and just, like, how some of the games he has, he just looks awesome. Like, this past Prospects Challenge, a game he was in, he looked like nobody could even score on him just with, like, uh, like a 6-5 frame, just a huge goalie. So, I think, I mean, if you look at the Sabres two goalies now, I mean, you got Aaron Dell, who I think had, like, an 850 save percentage in the NHL last season. And then you have Craig Anderson, who pretty much retired last season, but Washington convinced him to come back just as like a emergency squad goalie. So now you have like those two guys in that. So I feel like it's not too hard to imagine a scenario where Lukanen wins a starting position at some point next season. I mean, I'd rather have him get the games with him and use him in a backup role, but I honestly don't think he'll have a problem getting ice time this season with the Sabres just because he really doesn't have much competition in front of him. And and at some point too, though, if that's going to be potentially your guy of the future, like they thought when they drafted him, 
you got to throw them in the fire at some point, right? And like, what yeah, better, what better time to do it than when you really don't have much in front of them? Yeah, I mean, it would be great just to see what he has. I mean, goalie development's really weird. I mean, like sometimes guys put up better numbers in the NHL than the AHL, and I think Lukanen could be a case of that happening just because the Amherst last season. I mean, with the COVID shortened season, no ECHL team, their roster was pretty shaky at times. Uh, just because they didn't really have guys to like call up from the ECHL. They pretty much had to rely on like uh, just professional tryouts to fill out the roster of their injuries. So last season, it's hard to tell how much to judge Lucan in by that. But I mean, yeah, honestly, just seeing the NHL this season, I mean, it doesn't seem like wins are really a priority for the Sabres. So, I mean, yeah, might as well see what you get with Lucan in in the NHL. Love it. It's yeah, he's always intrigued me from the very beginning uh, for all the reasons that you just said. But, you know, he's definitely he's one I root for because, you know, you want to have that that goalie prospect or that goalie prospect turn into the goalie of the future, um, you know, sooner than later, obviously. Um, touched a little bit about prospects and everything. So obviously we should shift to uh, the recent occurrence of the prospect challenge. Sabres hosted. Um, I know you did a, you know, some pieces, some work on that. Well, break down, go through, you know, some key takeaways, some good surprises, some bad ones. I mean, I guess we'll start with some just of your key takeaways from everything that you went through uh, looking at studying and all that film numbers wise. So uh, yeah, take us through that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to base most of my analysis off of Friday because Friday is actually after game Saturday. I tried watching it on that stream and it was pretty tough to watch, but I think I got some pieces in from that game. But yeah, I mean, I think probably the best player for me in that tournament for the Sabres, I mean, considering age and everything, uh, who impressed me the most is definitely J.J. Paterka because, I mean, this these prospect tournaments tend to be like favor older players. I mean, just because a lot of teams have like 23, 24 year old, like AHL signings playing the game. So, I mean, those guys are obviously much bigger, much physical, much more physical. So the younger players tend to struggle, but I mean, I don't think that was the case with Paterka. I mean, just the first of pucks uh, battling in the corners. I mean, showed a great amount of skill. I mean, looked really good on the Sabres top power play unit. I mean, he's really turned into like somewhat of a playmaker over the past season, which really wasn't what he was when the Sabres drafted him. I mean, I think that's why he fell out of the first round uh, like he did in the 2020 draft. I mean, at the time, he was kind of seen as like maybe a slightly higher end like Zemgus Gergensen's. I mean, just a guy who's like a smart hockey player, uh, rough around the edges, but can't really put up big offensive numbers. But I mean, I think with the development we've seen from Paterka, I mean, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think he's really shown that he could be a top six player. And he also got to see a lot of ice time alongside uh, Jack Quinn on that first game on Friday. And I think I thought Quinn looked pretty good. I mean, he's another guy who, once again, it's hard to evaluate. He really didn't play much last season, uh, dealing with injuries all season, uh, obviously no OHL season. So he really only got to see time in like the, I think like 20 games in the AHL and he got world junior time where he didn't see the greatest amount of ice time. So all right. I don't really know like how much to read into his performance at this prospects challenge. I mean, I don't think he was like dominant by any means, but I mean, you could see how he's a top prospect. I mean, he's great at just being able to find like the soft spots on the ice, uh, just being able to be open for passes. And uh, I mean, they tried him out at center 
I don't know if that's going to be an experiment that will last too long just because I view Quinn as more of just, he's just like a pure goal scorer, pure shooter type of guy. I mean, his shot's not like Alexander Holtz level. I mean, his goal scoring mainly comes, I mean, just from that IQ, finding the soft spots on the ice, all that stuff. And that's so much easier to do from the wing than it is from the center position. And I think, I mean, you might as well try him at center like they did in the prospects challenge, just because they didn't really have any centers at this tournament. I mean, they played roots line at center, but he's been a winger at the NHL level. Right. And then you had guys like Josh Fiddler Schultz, who was uh, just an invite and uh, they put him at like third line center. So really not a lot of centers. So, I mean, but yeah, Quinn going forward, I don't think he's a center. Yeah. <laughs> No, I get it. He always struck me. I don't know how accurate this is. He kind of reminded me of like Alex Debrinkit a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because just like just his numbers he put up in the OHL in his draft year are pretty crazy. I mean, over 50 goals. I don't even think he even played a full season either because of COVID. So just doing that, I mean, pretty remarkable. So I, it would just be so great to see where he's at right now just because we didn't really get to see him like in a league like the OHL last season. So. Yeah, I think he's a guy who will probably end up in Rochester just to kind of get back into game shape. And then who knows, maybe he get a call up with the Sabres at some point this season. Absolutely. Um, I know just uh, through some of the stuff I, you know, I didn't get really read into it too, too much as much as I would have wanted to. Um, Brett Murray, talk us through him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Brett Murray, I mean, he was actually a pick by uh, Tim Murray like way back when, I think his last season as GM of the Sabres. And I mean, he was just a big, uh, big six, five forward picked out of like the CCHL. I think the Carlton plays Canadians. And I mean, he's kind of seen as kind of like a long-term pick uh, just because his development path. I mean, he pretty much planned to play like three, four years at college, uh, ended up playing the USHL for a year after they drafted him ended up going to Penn state, ended up leaving Penn state to transfer to Miami, but he was ineligible the next year. So he had to play in the USHL again. And then, I mean, after he went to the USHL, uh, he pretty much dominated the league as an overager, but there was really uh, no home for him after that season with no college to transfer to. So, I mean, the Amherst gave him a PTO and uh, they signed him to a one-year deal. And then, I mean, the rest is history. He had a solid season in Rochester. Uh, after that solid season, Sabres offered him a contract. I mean, then we saw his performance at the Prospects Challenge. I mean, he's just kind of a beast. I mean, especially for some of these 18-, 19-year-old guys having to cover like a 6'5", 240 guy, like in yeah. the paint on the power play. I mean, <laughs> sometimes it didn't even look like they even tried guarding him. I mean, they just left him right in there, and he'd just bang home rebounds. I mean, he showed a good amount of skill and stuff, too. Doesn't have the best feet, but, I mean, I think he could end up being a bottom six NHLer. I mean, especially for a Sabres team next season that really lacks forward depth. I think we'll get some minutes. But I think he could be able to carve out, like, just a nice little NHL career, especially for a guy that was kind of seen as a long shot. I mean, didn't really have a place to play two years ago. Now we're talking about him as an actual NHL prospect, which is just awesome to see. Yeah, he, I mean, with that, you know, like you said, showing some skill, obviously the natural size is there, the grittiness. That's you, maybe somewhat like those guys where maybe you see them play on different teams or when you saw them coming up, there was more skill to their game. But they, they're they one of those players that eventually they realize they like, 
all right, I got to know my role if I'm going to play yeah. in the best league in the world. I got to get some sandpaper to my game, go to the, the greasy areas, you know, bottom six style of play, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely what you get from Murray just because he's just such a big body. I mean, usually you don't see guys that are 6'5", 240, uh, really play forward. I mean, most of those guys get moved to defense like pretty young. So yeah. just to have a guy like that, I mean, he could be a pretty interesting asset going forward. Yeah, to me, I mean, Brett Murray, it's even a defenseman name to me. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, he's like destined to be a defenseman, but he ended yeah. up as a forward. <laughs> Yeah, that just sounds like a guy that's going to mix it up in the corners, though. Like, yeah, 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 he really does. You you totally expect that dude to play like almost like a, I mean, at his size, like almost like a Ryan Reeves type role. Yeah, like, I mean, he's definitely capable of that. I mean, at the prospects challenge, he was pretty much in every scrum. So, I mean, that'd be pretty cool if we could bring that to the Sabres, too. Oh, you love to see it. Um, Let's see. Anything else as far as under the radar? I don't even know under the radar. Just any other big takeaways for you, you know, whether what you've seen since or read past uh, after the prospect challenge ended or anything you saw Friday that we didn't discuss that you think is of value? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we we got our first looks at like a lot of the uh, like later third, fourth round, fifth round picks of the Sabres at this prospects challenge. I mean, we didn't really see too much of them Friday. I mean, you could tell it was these guys' first time playing a while, and they're also still only 18 playing against the guys where the majority of them are in their 20s. So they were kind of hesitant at first to really uh, try too much on offense. But Saturday, I feel like we really got to see a lot out of guys like Josh Bloom, Sabres' third-round pick. He'll be in Saginaw in the OHL this season. Didn't even play hockey at all last season, so – this was his first time back in a while. And uh, on Saturday, he had like a good four scoring chances. I mean, I really wish we got to see one of those go in, but I mean, I still thought he had a solid game. And then we had uh, Bojami Marjala, uh, the Sabres. I believe he's their fourth or fifth round pick out of Quebec. Uh, he looked pretty solid too. I mean, he showed some decent skill. Uh, he's a guy that has a pretty interesting skill set as like a high-end passer. Uh, I think he's a guy to keep an eye on going forward. And then, I mean, probably one of my, probably I think one of the most exciting Sabres picks who I really didn't know a lot about going into the draft is uh, Steven Sardarian. Uh, he's another one of the Russian players the Sabres drafted, but he hasn't played yet because he's actually in North America right now. Uh, he, he'll be playing a season in the USHL for Youngstown. And their season actually kicks off, I believe, tomorrow because uh, we got the USHL Fall Classic uh, coming up uh, down in Cranberry Township. I'm actually going to that on Friday. Oh. So I'm really, really looking forward to watching Sardarian play down there. And, I mean, he's just – I mean, if you talk about skill and everything like that, I mean, he's just a really electric, fun player to watch. So he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on uh, this upcoming week. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, what – Another one, I mean, I am just – I am a big Russian guy. Tudor is a KHL master when it comes <laughs> to sports gambling. Talk to me a little bit about Kisikov because he – just seeing some of the tape on him and a few of these other Russians, for sure, obviously Poltipov, but there's just something about what I – the little bit, admittedly, I've seen of Kisikov. What are your thoughts on him? I think, I mean, there's a bunch of people that love Kisikov. I mean, I, th I think he just has so many traits 
that you just love to see in a prospect. I mean, especially a guy that you picked in the second round. I mean, his uh, MHL stats this season aren't too impressive, but I mean, from the games I watched, he should have like so many more points than he actually has right now. I mean, I was watching his game yesterday since, I mean, all the MHL games are all like streaming live and they have all the recordings before on YouTube, which is great to like be able to watch the game if you got some free time. So that's what I was doing. I mean, just the first period alone, he probably should have picked up like two or three points, but he ended the game with no points. So, I mean, he's really just, I mean, you could tell he's kind of a different level of guys in the MHL, which is like Russia's junior league. I mean, that's where he played last year and he scored a ton of goals down there. And I mean, he got the call up to the KHL this season uh, up with Dynamo with another Russian Sabres prospect I haven't talked about yet, uh, Nikita Novikov, uh, their defenseman they picked later in the draft. He actually was able to crack uh, Dynamo's uh, KHL lineup as an 18-year-old. I think he just turned 18 like a month and a half ago. Wow. I was able to crack their lineup, which is pretty impressive, especially for a guy that didn't go until the sixth round. And we saw Kisikov get to play a few games with him too. I mean, once again, as an extra skater, uh, similar to Novikov. So he didn't get a lot of ice time, uh, but he showed some decent flashes. I mean, I know his last game that got him sent down, he had a pretty bad turnover that led to a goal against. And I think that got him sent all the way back down to the MHL. But uh, oh I mean, my God. yeah, because I mean, down to Russia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird to send a guy back between like the third tier league and the top tier league. Like you think they'd send him to the VHL, but maybe it's such a bad turnover. They had to send him all the way back to junior. So talk about talk about sending a message. right? Yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, just sent all the way back down just with one bad play. <laughs> um one more obviously i'd be remiss i know obviously i'd love to sit here and you know really pump the tires about owen power we kind of know where he's at we kind of know what to expect of him at michigan and that incredible lineup that the michigan wolverines are going to have this year in the ncaa but have to ask you about our other first round pick this year uh isaac rosen what What's been going on with him? I know he's been playing, you know, the over in Sweden. He's been playing some international stuff too, I believe. Give us yeah. a little bit of breakdown. Breakdown what you've seen so far, what to expect going yeah, forward. I mean, yeah, I think he's probably uh, probably the definition of a boom bust pick type of guy. At, uh, pick thirteen. He just plays with such great speed, such great skill. Has a great shot. I mean, he played in the World Junior Summer Showcase. Uh, this past summer for Sweden really didn't put up crazy numbers, but I mean, neither did the rest of the Sweden team. And he, I thought he was one of their better forwards. And I mean, then he's with Lake Sands in uh, Sweden and he really hasn't gotten too much ice time for them. I mean, he got a good chunk of ice time for them in the preseason, but once the regular season started, they kind of uh, relegated him to the 13th forward role. I mean, there's one game where he got like, I think it was like 14 seconds of ice time somehow. So uh, one game they didn't even play him. But, I mean, I feel like I'd rather just not be played than be put out there for just 14 seconds. So. Uh, it's almost like they did a line change. They're like, all right, I yeah. go ahead. And then they, <laughs> they got a power play or something. They're like, all right, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just like you'd love to see him get more ice time, especially for a guy that was your 13th overall pick. And, I mean, I know they sent him down for some junior games. I uh, picked up some points there. I think he's played two or three games for their junior team. But, I mean, he's a guy where if they're not going to play him in the SHL, it would be great to see him maybe come over to North America and play over in, like, the CHL. Unfortunately, I don't believe anyone 
selected him in the CHL import draft, probably because nobody thought he would actually come over. So I'm not really sure how that would work if they do want to bring him over. But, I mean, we see a guy like Fabian LaSalle. I believe he's playing for Vancouver in the WHL this season. Uh, I think Jesper Wallstedt's playing in the WHL too. So it's not that uncommon to see uh, Swedish players now come over and play junior hockey in North America because it's probably easier to come by ice time. So he's another guy where I think his game really just has to develop with more ice time. And, I mean, it's hard to do that when you're playing 14 seconds some games. <laughs> for sure. Uh, do you think do you think that helps though? So guys coming over here and uh playing either in the like you know Western League anywhere in Canada, USHL whatever, do you think that helps their development get used to that North American style of play that's a little bit different than they see in Sweden? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely helps. I mean, I think it's like a case by case basis. I mean, I know there's a bunch of like Swedish and Russian hockey fans who are like kind of big advocates of uh, players, uh, their own players not coming over to North America to develop uh, just because they think like their system's better just with like their skills training and all that, which I think, I mean, I think that argument's a little valid just because I think they have great skill training over in Europe. But I mean, once again, it's just that ice time thing that affects like so many prospects that are kind of in that in-between spot between the junior level the minor league level and like the pro level. I mean, there's just some guys just getting like a couple of seconds of ice time a game. So I think at that point I'd prefer to have prospects develop in the CHL, but I mean, if there's a guy getting big ice time over in Europe, I mean, I think my preference would probably be for them to stay over there. But I mean, yeah, what, like you said, I mean, it's always a benefit just to come over and get used to the North American game. And for a lot of these guys who've never really lived in North America before, I mean, it's always great. Uh, being able to see him like adjust to everything about like North American hockey faster than if they just come over when they're like 23, 24. So I think that's another benefit to it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I wish there was a way to like kind of do like two separate like timelines, like one with if one guy stayed in Europe and one with one guy stayed in juniors. Cause then I think that finally like answer the debate of like which development path is better for prospects. But uh, yeah, I think it's a case by case basis. And I think, I mean, in terms of ice time, I don't think you go wrong with junior hockey. Now, with with ice time, too, and you see guys, like you mentioned, their split time either between the junior level, the professional level, over in Europe, Russia, wherever it is. And when they're not getting that ice time at the professional level, it a lot of times, is it because they're not good enough to play at the professional level yet or they're not ready? Or is it more so kind of what we talked about earlier where it's, well, this guy's going to leave anyway. And like, if we're the professional team in this town, like we're not going to waste our time developing a guy that's going to go play in the NHL and isn't going to produce for our franchise. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's definitely, I think I could definitely see a lot of that just because, I mean, there's some cases where, like, say, like, if a guy made a bad turnover, kind of like Kisikov did, like, a lot of NHL teams would be like, all right, let's just fight through that. Let's try to develop you. Let's try to get you into, like, the top-line player that you're expected to be for us someday. So I feel like some guys that play in Europe, I think they just tend to have, like, a much shorter leash in terms of, like, what they're able to get away with on the ice. I mean, the stakes are less tolerable, especially in a league like Sweden where they have, like, relegation. So... I mean, if your team's the bottom team of the league, you could uh, head down to a whole separate division. So, I mean, you got that. 
uh, on your side too. I mean, there's really no just finishing in last place and getting a high pick there. You finish in last place and you go down in the next division. So I feel like that definitely plays into some teams. And yeah, I mean, really just pretty much everything they do is based on their uh, placement in the standings. So there's really no room for like full youth development teams there like we see in the NHL. Like, I mean, we see teams like Sabres, like what they're doing this season or teams like Detroit that just take like a few years off just to develop young talent. I mean, we really don't see too much of that uh, in the European pro leagues. Maybe we should do that here though. That'd be kind of cool. Right? Yeah, except, yeah. Just, except the Sabres would be playing against the Burgers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sabres would be like the SPHL or something. Yeah, they'd be in the Monday night leisure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> I, that always fascinates me because I'm a big European soccer guy. Go Liverpool, suck it, Tudor. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm fascinated with the relegation thing. Like, I think that to me, I feel like that's like the ultimate way to stop like the tanking and like, yeah. you know, yeah. I, it's so interesting to think about like if that was over here, if that existed over here. Yeah, I mean, I think it would make, like, prospect development a lot more interesting, too, because, I mean, European soccer, I mean, it's not, like, we don't necessarily see all the top prospects, like, just stay on the top teams. I mean, a lot of them go to smaller clubs to develop. So, I mean, I think that's people's main concern is that, like, how this affect uh, just the young players coming into the league? Like, will they all just sign with Toronto? Which, I mean, I think, like, that obviously won't happen. There's only so many roster spots on a team like Toronto, so... Right. I think if you did have a system where you abolished the draft, I mean, I think in theory it could work just because there's a limited amount of roster spots. And it also put a lot more uh, pressure on your scouting department too, just to kind of find those guys that have been flying under the radar. Yeah, it's, I, I think it could not just, I don't know if laziness is the right word, but you see it's almost more like a college feel you know what I mean? Where it's like, you got to go out and you got to find the guys. You got to well, find your players. And now yeah. it becomes along with that college feel and that kind of, that kind of structure, it becomes recruiting, right? Now it's not, yeah. can I, now it's not even as much. Can I evaluate talent? It's, can I just attract it? Like, are we good enough? Like, like you said, Walt, like you get guys like Toronto, like, okay, like, you're a team where it's like, I want to go play with Marner and Matthews and all these guys. Like I'm just going to, yeah, like exactly six city like that. I mean, that could, I mean, that whole structure, I know we're getting kind of way off the rails here now, but that's uh, fine. That whole structure, like we like to throw in the Toronto hasn't won in a while. Right. But like, (laughs) but that's the thing, right. It's like, if I could, if I'm going to lose anyway, I could lose in Toronto or I could lose in Buffalo. I could rip it up in Toronto or I could be on Chippewa on a Saturday night. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'd probably take Toronto. <laughs> like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd be the downside for teams like Buffalo's. Cause I mean, the U S is like really such like a diverse area, just like geographically and just climate wise that I feel like it's so much different than like some European leagues where like, I mean, most European countries are smaller. So it's like all a similar climate. So I feel like you could even see like, stuff like that come into play. Like guys want to play in like LA or Florida or just yeah. somewhere warm, Arizona. So yeah, how so much, <laughs> how much of that though, under the current structure, do you think that happens now? Cause that's kind of something I've thought about too, right? Where, yeah, the Sabres are not a powerhouse right now, but Buffalo is objectively a really good hockey town. People here love hockey, but 
if I'm a free agent and I can go to Buffalo where, okay, my taxes are going to be pretty high on what comes out of my, my game checks and I'm living in Buffalo or I get an offer from say, yeah, like Dallas or somewhere like that where it's like, okay, like I leave the rink, it's 80 degrees out. I can go play golf, no tax. Like it's, like, how much of that do you think actually comes into play and hurts a team like Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, I just think about, like, just kind of like the Buffalo team, like, back in 2010, how they were able to bring on, like, Christian Erhoff, uh, who, like, signed in Buffalo for, I think, like, 10 years or something crazy like that as one of the top free agent defensemen. And then we had a guy like Billy Leno, who turned out to not be that great in Buffalo. But, I mean, at the time, <laughs> he was a pretty high-end free agent. I mean, just seeing like those guys sign onto a team that had some chance of winning that was in a city like Buffalo, that's always cold. There's really not much to do. I mean, I think that kind of shows that there's still a good chunk of guys, especially the top guys that haven't won a cup yet that, I mean, they're really just chasing that Stanley cup and they'd be willing to do that anywhere. So I think that's definitely plays a big factor in hockey. And I think also the fact that Majority of people play hockey. I mean, now it's changing a little bit with more rinks like down in California, Texas, Florida. But the majority of people that play hockey are from like kind of like small snowy towns, like whether it be yeah. in the U.S., Canada, or Sweden or Finland. Because I remember with Leno when he signed here, he was like, I don't even mind the weather because it reminds me of like my oh, town back in Finland or something. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> like, I don't – like you see, you see different cities, right, where – like Nashville gets brought up with like how cool the atmosphere is, but then people I know that have gone to games there are like these people don't really know anything about hockey. It's just they go to drink and party at the game. Where like in <laughs> Buffalo, like people actually love the game of hockey. And if you're the guy that leads the Buffalo Sabres to a Stanley Cup, you would be a god here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whoever leads the Sabres to a Stanley Cup, I mean, they'll probably have, like, a statue at Alumni Plaza. And, I mean, yeah, they'll just be, like, a hero forever. I mean, I think, like, just that aspect of it's just really cool for some guys to play in Buffalo. Like, I know, like, Ryan Miller, I mean, he's just, like, an icon here. I mean, he loved his time in Buffalo. I mean, he really never wanted to leave. I mean, I think, I mean, that all comes with winning, too. I mean, if you put together a winning team, I mean, you get guys that want to stay here and you – get yeah. guys that want to join in and win a Stanley cup and be a part of something special. But if you're a team like Buffalo and you're not winning games, Yeesh. probably not a worse location, worse spot <laughs> to uh, be bad. in. yeah, uh, I'm glad. Winning and I'm, glad all, man. I'm glad you, uh, you mentioned Ryan Miller's name there and the, uh, the legends of the Sabres, because he certainly is, especially for people in our generation, right? Growing up. I mean, yeah. Ryan Miller was, you know, you'd hear his name on the highlights all the time highlight reel save night after night um aaron dell comes in <laughs> takes number 30 twitter's on fire i text i texted <laughs> i texted benny like that day benny and Derek. uh i text those guys and i was like all right like is this a big deal or not because now we know he ended up changing his number to 80 basically i think sabers fans just bullied him wait 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 wait, wait. Ryan he Miller's. changed his number yeah, he changed yeah. it. Sabres <laughs> fans bullied him out of wearing 30. But I guess my question is, I'm just interested, right? Because he's a legend, but there's this big argument of, like, should anyone be allowed to wear 30 again? Kind of interested to hear your thoughts, Walt, Because uh, and I'll let Benny fill everyone in on his thoughts after. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like retired numbers. I mean, obviously, it's based off like statistics and stuff a lot of times. And I mean, other times it's based off of just like the player's status, like in the city. And I think like just like you said, I mean, Ryan Miller for like our generation, he was like our he was like the hero for pretty much every kid in Buffalo hockey wise. I mean, you got guys like Jury and Breer that are there for two years, but Miller was there for like a decade. I mean, I don't think you can really like overstate his impact that he's had on the Buffalo hockey community. I mean, and we saw it on Twitter too when a guy like Aaron Dell was wearing his number. So I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, Miller's number definitely has to be retired someday. I mean, should be getting retired this season because uh, obviously not much to look forward to with Sabres fans. So maybe throw them a bone and have a Ryan Miller Jersey retirement night, but hopefully it happens eventually. I mean, yeah, the Aaron Dell situation, like I just don't know how something like that like slips through the cracks. Like, I mean, they should have told the guy like, Hey, that's probably not a good idea to take number 30. Uh, I mean, I, I think that happened. Uh, I think it happened right after they traded Miller. I think Michael Neuvirth was going to wear 30 or someone like, like that. If, like if you're a player, do you think whether a number's retired or not, if there's a guy who was basically an icon for that franchise for a decade, like, is there, do you think there'd be like an etiquette there where you'd like shoot the guy a text or give him a phone call and be like, Hey, like I've always worn this number. Like, <laughs> do, do you mind? Like, I don't, and I don't know if those conversations happen, but like, I don't know. I feel like that'd be something you do. I mean, Benny's rolling his eyes over here. I know how he <laughs> feels, but why don't you chime in there, buddy? I love, I loved Walt's take about the, the fan engagement piece with the Miller thing. <laughs> Aside from that, I think retiring jersey numbers is the dumbest thing in pro sports. <laughs> I can't stand it. What does it matter? A guy like Ronaldo or Messi, all they've done over there, they can't, they don't have their jerseys retired. The Manchester United sold a guy so they could give another <laughs> dude on the roster another number he liked so Ronaldo could wear seven. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff they're doing over there. I, don't, yeah. I just don't get it. Pretty soon, look at the Yankees. Like they've actually won <laughs> some Yankees. stuff, but you can't wear a single-digit number. Yeah, the Yankees are great. My roommate was talking to me about that last week. He goes, "We we looked up the retired numbers for the New York Yankees. There's 21 retired numbers. So one, almost a third of the possible numbers you could wear between zero between zero and 99 are retired." And it's not to it's not to talk down on a legacy of like the French connection in Buffalo, right? Hashik, Miller, even it's not tarnishing or doing anything to what that player did in that number. If you just throw it up to the rafters, you're just saying like, well, we can never have somebody great wear that number again. It's a but loser mentality to me. It, it might That's be. A it. it might. It. it might be, and that that could be fine. But in fairness. Do you think it matters because it's Aaron Dell? No. Like to me, it's like, okay, like if someone's going to wear 30 and you get like a nasty goalie prospect or like you bring in a stud. Sure. But like, all right, you bring it in. What's he like 38 years old and save <laughs> it, like a 0.75 save percentage. Like he's also got an unreal pad get up. So, I mean, like, at least 30 is going to look fashionable. We don't know what he's going to do. When you when you just retire these numbers, you're just like, ah, it just makes no sense to me. You're just saying, like, yeah, 
we won't have another it takes you should want to encourage people players prospects when they come to buffalo if they get drafted goalies like uka pekalukanen they should say i want to be i want to you know put on that number 30 because i want to be what ryan miller was and then some but when you just chuck it up there and you're just like whatever that's that's fine I'll go with that. I'll try and be the good number 31 or whatever. Maybe that one's retired too with some other guy that didn't win a cup. <laughs> I don't know. Man, I love getting him fired up. <laughs> it's absurd. I don't know. I re- I understand the respect thing. Like, you know, you see all this. We brought up the Yankees, the Lou Gehrig speech. Like, that's – it's amazing. It's It's cool. But how awesome is it, like, all these things where if you get – how cool is it to have, like, you know, think about, like, Uka Pekalukin, for an example, becomes, like, the next Ryan Miller, and he's wearing the same jersey number. Like, it creates this nostalgia, this excitement, like, creating that tradition rather than just, like, you had this chapter of it, and now it's up there. I don't know. I'm yeah, an I mean, idiot. I could see that. I mean, that, be, that being said, Walt, out of uh, the Sabres prospect pool, who do you think is most likely to get their number retired at the end of their career? I think at this point, I think it's got to be Owen Power just because the fact he's a first overall pick and he seems like a pretty good prospect. So I think, I mean, maybe if the Sabres, I mean, maybe they create a dynasty with like Power, Darlene Cousins, and these guys they pick in the next few drafts. I mean, that's the only shot I could see. But I was also a guy that thought there'd be no chance Eichel's number wouldn't get retired. And now that looks like that probably won't be the case. But. Oh man. Have we, by the way, I mean, as we're, you know, we're coming up here, um, you know, we were obviously going to transition into more, you know, we, we did some prospect stuff. We're going to start talking about the upcoming season training camp, what the roster might look like and things. I wanted to just one more time, while any guy prospect that we didn't discuss that you really think if Sabres fans, you say a name, they don't know it should be hitting YouTube, looking up some stuff about a particular player. I mean, I guess one last guy out there out there is uh, Aaron Huglin. I mean, we re- didn't really see a lot of him. I mean, obviously we saw that uh, that lacrosse move goal he scored for the U.S. team at the Holinka a couple of years ago. But, I mean, after that, he was injured for almost like two seasons. So we got to see him play in the USHL last year for half a season, and he'll be going to University of Minnesota this fall. Uh, playing alongside Ryan Johnson. And, I mean, Minnesota has a loaded team, too. I think they'll probably be Michigan's biggest competition in the Big Ten this season. So he's definitely a guy I'd keep an eye on. I mean, just so much skill. Probably the best hands of anyone in the Sabres prospect pool. So he's definitely uh, my prospect to keep an eye on. Best hands, too. We'd love to hear that. Yeah. What – Um. all right. I think it's uh, – it's eh, – Actually, I I had a had a memory lapse there. There was one other thing I wanted to ask you, kind of uns, not Sabres related, prospect wise though. Is there someone that's caught your eye, you know, this summer, overseas, whatever, around the league that you think potential future superstar that maybe your average person doesn't know about, or anything like that from any other team, Sabres division or league wide? I mean, I think. I think most of the guys so far uh, in the series division are all pretty well known. I think, I think the most exciting prospects coming up are definitely the guys in the next two drafts. I mean, this next draft, particularly uh, Shane Wright, 
is going to go first overall. And guys like uh, Bedard and Michkov in uh, 2023, I think those are really just the guys I'd keep an eye on. I mean, Bedard Michkov, that could be like a legendary like one-two. I've heard Cros- the next Crosby Ovechkin kind of yeah. thing tossed around I- with those two. Yeah, it could be like similar to Crosby Ovechkin, but in the same draft. And then you toss in guys like Adam Fantilli, uh, Dalibor Dvorsky, who just tore up the U18 tournament. And, I mean, then you got uh, Quentin Musty from Hamburg, first overall pick of the OHL. He's another guy that's looking like he could be a great center prospect too. So, I mean, toss all those guys into the 2023 draft, and you could have you have like five, four or five teams walking away with their number one center in that draft. Yeah, shout out to Quentin Musty. Fellow seven one sixer, we're cheering for yeah. you, buddy. We want to see you up there. Maybe we'll get you on the show sometime. Thank you for listening to episode thirty of Just Dishing It, which has been part one of our interview with Walter Zorowski. You can follow him at Sabermetrics on Twitter, and he is also a contributing writer at the Charging Buffalo. Head to their website to check out all of his pieces, all of his latest works regarding the Sabers prospects and the prospect challenge. Tune in next week for part two of our interview with Walt. Lots more to come on the Sabres upcoming NHL season. Tons of stuff to chew on there. As always, thank you guys so much for listening.